Hi, if you're looking for greater hope, assurance, and confidence through the shifting sands of life, then join me on today's episode as we dig deep into the Bible to discover rock-solid truth for life and living from the God of the Bible. I'm your host, Scott Keffer. book of Matthew, and as you go through scripture, number one thing for me <clears throat> is to see what God is showing us about himself. What is God showing us? And he does that in all sorts of ways. We're going to see some interesting things about his character and nature today, and we're also going to see how his heart is about not only his people, but about those who are lost and unwilling so we're going to look at Matthew 23, 36 through 39. I'm going to read those. You read those with me. Stand, if you will, out of reverence for God and his word. Are <clears throat> you ready? Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who have been sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you, from now on you will not see me until you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word. So we looked at the eight woes, and I tend to think when I hear the word woe, it's a negative and in some sense, it is negative. So you think there's these woes, and then then he's weeping. So what's the issue that's going on here? I thought about what's what do we see about the heart of God and the nature of God? We see both at work. We see how often mercy, how often is his mercy, right? How often I wanted to, how often I wanted to, God's mercy. And yet, it's bookended with his impending justice. We see is how often mercy is is together. What what what's he merciful about? Right, repent while you can, because the time will come to an end. And we always think about time chronologically, right? Chronologically, and there is that sense of chronological time for each person, for each person, because it says at the end of each person's ordained time. <laughs> A stunning thought. One we don't talk about often, but we have the ability to impact the quality of our life, but scripture seems to say not the quantity of our days. Quality of our life, right? In thy book, they were all written. Well, gee, what were written in your book? The days which were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Dr. Tim Keller wrote a book before his death on death. In fact, it was called On Death. And he said when he came back with the cancer, came back for the second time, he said, I didn't want to read my own book. Because he said, of course, I thought other people die. I just don't die. Because it's hard to us to comprehend, right, death, of course, because we had a finite beginning. And we think, of course, everyone does. And sometimes I think, are you on crack? You know, you just live as if you're forever. So this idea of, you know, we we plan as if we're going to be called home tomorrow, but we live as if it could be 30 years, 
It's a weird dynamic, isn't it? Right? So we have to plan as if, right? As if, Debbie said, plan as if, right? God calls you home tomorrow. Live with gratitude kind of day by day and understand that it could be 30 years. It could be, who knows? God knows how long, but he knows. We don't. And your days are ordained when as yet there was none. And scripture says, inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, there, there is no reincarnation. You don't come back as something, right? You die once, and, and then what? Judgment. And then judgment. Scary thought. For each person individual, right? So he has mercy and impending judgment for each person at the end of each person's ordained time, but also at the end of all time. A day is coming. A day is coming, is it not? He said that the not only your days will not be forever, these days will not be forever. And he said, behold, a white horse, and he who sat upon it is called, what? Faithful and true. He's coming back again. Diadems upon his head. He is leading the host of heaven. He is the, he is the Lord of the host of armies in heaven, right? And he, he, he will judge and wage war, and he will tread. What is he treading? The winepress of the fierce wrath of God. In other words, justice is coming. Justice is coming. With that, we indeed struggle, right? Because sometimes we say, Lord, get them, right? Get those people. Get, make sure they pay for what, right? And these days, we're in the midst of it. Used to be publicly, people would do wrong and hide it. Now they do wrong and tell about it, and nobody cares because God has given us over, right? Where everyone does right in his own eyes. That's right. And we call good bad, and we call bad good. And so we think about, right? Lord, bring justice, right? Justice. But in the Old Testament, they cry out in wrath, remember mercy. It's the prayer in wrath, remember mercy. Because wrath is God's justice. We think about it as as a negative term it's not it's 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 fierce his wrath wrath is fierce but it is his justice indeed his justice and their friend of a friend came over and he's just trying to figure out who christ is and what it means to him and he said tell me about god's justice and god's wrath and i said well let's talk about it right it's his justice if somebody perpetrated a crime against you, broke into your house and killed your grandchildren and your wife, and the judge said, who cares? Let them go. What would you say? I'd say I would say, what kind of judge is that, right? Unrighteous judge. So God's wrath is his justice. And righteousness is, is integral to justice. Justice is part of righteousness, right? So at the end of all time, he will tread the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. So this idea of, in wrath, remember mercy. He brings about his justice, but his mercy is for a time. And in some way, all Israel will be saved. What does that mean? We don't really know. We have this sense that, that fundamentally, before Jesus showed up, the bulk of believers were Jewish. Salvation is of the Jews first and then Gentiles. The promise was to Abraham, through him, all the seed, all the earth would be blessed, right? That, that we live now in a time of the Gentiles, fundamentally, 
most who are coming to Christ would be Gentiles, non-Jewish by birth. But there is a, a sense that God has a future to bring all Israel back. Not everyone to be saved, but this idea that there'll be a time when the time of, of uh, Israel, when primarily uh, most of the people coming to Christ, whether that's in the kingdom age or not really sure, but there there is a time in the future, in the future, right? How often? Mercy and impending justice. And it's really interesting in the midst of this, <clears throat> sometimes we slide over scripture. He says, I, I, I want it. What do you want to do? Gather your children together. And he says, the way, the way means life in a similar manner, not like today, which is a verb and an adverb and everything for people. People use like as a as a verb for all things. He, meant, he means in the same way, right? In the way of. So Jesus longs to gather them together like in the same way as what? A mother hen. <clears throat> What's a mother hen do? Feeds, yeah, protects, leads, guides, right? In the same way. And this is not a new picture, is it? He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you may seek refuge. So in Bethlehem, having our colon reduced in size, having a section of it removed, and then having the other sections put back together with glue and staples, which still is unbelievable to me. But anyway, in the hospital, right, this was a verse that God gave her to remind her that he is the one that would protect her and keep her particularly since right next door they had, you know, the death all over the, the door. You know, if you go near this, there must have been radioactive material in there or something, you know. In the hospital, it's like they're afraid of disease now. I thought that's where you went when you had disease. Funny. But anyway, that was a scripture that really gave her peace, that God would protect her, cover you with his pinions. And keep in mind, he doesn't have pinions, does he? Nor does he have wings. Nor does he have hands, nor does he have eyes or mouth. It is life. In other words, he's doing that in order that we would understand. So the Lord gives us many, and I put pictures. I mean, they're, they're pictures, they're visuals, they're analogies, right? That are familiar to us. So I thought, let's look at some of these. Because he's saying, as a hen, well, I can't really... I can't really resonate with a hen, but I kind of get the idea, right? As a hen who gathers her chicks to protect them and preserve them. You ever see them walking across the road or walking down the street, right? Behind them. All right, so in the same way, right? An analogy, a simile, right? It gives us a picture. So he, God gives us many pictures, many pictures. And these pictures are familiar to us. So scripture says he is like he's like a father so when you think of a father what what comes to mind protector guidance provider you know when you have your first child you can't imagine that you would love somebody as much as you would a child right there is there is something that that is just and then have a daughter and look out like i i would you'll take a bullet for those children right there is this seemingly unbreakable bond unbreakable commitment, right? Unbreakable um, connection with that child, right? Even as they grow up. So protector, guidance, provider, head. 
But scripture gives us some other senses of this is not only a father, as we might say it, but it's a father who has compassion on his children, right? So he says, as a father has compassion on his children, so Yahweh has compassion on those who fear him. So this is not just a father who's a protector with guidance and provider, head, the one who cares for, protects, right, uh, feeds, in the same way that that uh, um, you, you would, but also... This is a father with compassion. A father with compassion. How many know fathers without compassion? Yeah, we all probably have sense. It almost doesn't seem because of the strength of the father, but this father has compassion. And he is the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's also the father of mercies and the God of all comfort, right? Those are words that wouldn't necessarily connect with father, would they? Mercies, comfort, right? Along with protector. It also says God deals with you as sons for what son is there which your father does not. That's like that Semitic word, right? We don't like to say it, right? Because for us, it feels negative. But if you submit the appropriate definition if you if you flip this around and say God deals with you as with sons, is that a good thing? Yeah, for sure. For what son is there whom his father does not train? What son is there whom his father does not equip? What son is there who his father does not uh, develop skills? Right, and that's really it's it's someone who trains, right? But discipline is a good thing because it's training. It is indeed. Training. But he reminds us there's only one Father, and that's God the Father, right? So Ephesians says, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So there's one Father, our Father who art in heaven, right? Who art in heaven. Yet, he says, there is, there is, there is but one God. And I thought about this. Elaine, you're on there, aren't you? Yes, I am. You asked that question about in Isaiah 9, right? Jesus, yeah. right? So I put that in. Right. So I thought about that because it says he's, he, Jesus is going to be the wonderful counselor, almighty God, the mighty God, and eternal father. So you think about what does that mean? Well, there is one God and father, but it's describing who he is in, in, his, in his position and his role and the way that he deals with you. He is as a father. He is one who will protect and guide and provide and care for, right? So Jesus has that same heart, if you will, right? Counselor. He's also mighty God, and he is as, a, as an eternal father. He operates with you as an eternal, the heart of a father, as well as the responsibility of a father. And yet there's a, only one father, God the Father. Does that make sense? Not totally. So Jesus is like a father. In other words, he's, he's like a mighty counselor. He's, he is almighty God, and he's like an eternal father, right? But there is only one. And again, 1 Corinthians, yet for us, there is but one God, right? The Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there is a Father, a Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three separate roles, but Jesus is as an eternal Father with the same 
responsibility and the same heart and the same commitment to care, provide, protect, lead as a father would. Does that make sense? And you think about of all the descriptions of who God is, father would be, right, certainly one of the most compelling. But the God who spoke into being all that exists out of nothing would be your father is stunning. Why? Because he's the creator and we're the created. But he says he's also like a like a mother. What's a mother do? Generally, what's a mother do? I mean, think about it, mother. Nurture, right? Comfort. Did somebody say tell you what to do? <laughs> Did somebody say tell you when you're wrong? Did somebody... Of course. Yeah, the, 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 the idea of nurture, comfort, can't, right? You know, wrap my arms around you, right? When you're hurting, right? Where do you go? You want to go to your mother. You don't want to go to your dad. Right? He'll give you a lesson, right? Uh, your mother won't. And he says that God is as one whom his mother comforts. So I will comfort you. So there's that unique sense in that God is like a father. He's also like a mother, right? Uh, nurture and comfort. Also says he is like a shepherd, like a shepherd, like a shepherd. He will tend his flock and he will gather the lambs and carry them in the fold of his robe. Is that a great picture? He will carry them in the fold of his robe. Not not, not like a disconnected, right? But like a shepherd who will carry you close to him. The fold of his robe is close to his heart. That's where he'll carry you. What a cool picture, huh? He will gently lead. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, right? For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they come for me. Thou hast set a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. What does the good shepherd do? He says, this is a shepherd unlike any other shepherd. Because this shepherd lays down his life for sheep. Now, I'm telling you, if I had sheep and I was a shepherd, I'd care for them. But I'm not going out in the cold. And I'm not putting myself in harm's way. And I'm surely, certainly not going to lay down my life for the sheep. Well, we have a shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, right? And this sheep is coming again. In fact, he's the, this shepherd is coming again. They call him the chief shepherd. And when he appears, what's going to happen? If he comes back, if the end of time, the end of all time is before the end of your time, then he's calling you to himself, right? And there will be, right? glory <clears throat> like a shepherd so when you think about shepherd what's a shepherd do protects protects primarily right yes sir what else feeds right when he says he makes me lie down in green pastures why is that so i could eat someplace to eat right feeds right? care for 
He restores, if you think about that, right? Shepherd. Mm -hmm. So he's like a father, he's like a mother, he's like a shepherd. But he says, we, we are the clay, and the Lord is the potter. All of us are the work of your hand. So it's as if you made a table and you breathed life into it. It's as if you made a statue and you breathed life into it. And the statue said, why did you do that? How come you did that? How come you made me look like this? You might say, dude, where were you before I created you? But some version of that, right? So the Lord is not only our potter, he's our maker. And as a maker, potter and a maker, what's the potter and maker have? Well, it means they're they're creative and they're creator, right? Control. Control. And certainly the maker has rights. Doesn't the maker have rights <laughs> over the maid? So he reminds us, know that the Lord himself is God, it says in Psalm 100. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. What's that mean? You're dependent. You don't own your life. You're not the captain of your own destiny, right? You're not the captain of your own ship. You didn't have a ship, <laughs> right? So remind us, you didn't make yourself. I made you, right? Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. So remind us, oh, by the way, I'm your maker. You are dependent upon me for life. Yes, Yahweh sits. What's he sit as? King forever. So he's like a king. Oh, he's like a king. I don't know what a king's like. I don't live in England. I never lived under a king. What's a king like? Well, they're good. They're benevolent, right? Right? They 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 protect, right? There's a kingdom, right? They provide. They guide. They also set the rules. They're sovereign. Oh, they're sovereign. <laughs> yeah. In other words, this is my kingdom. This is my kingdom. And in Revelation, they will rejoice like a great multitude, like the sound of many waters. How many have been near Niagara Falls? Deafening, isn't it? In Revelation, it says, it will sound like the wolf falls, and they'll be saying, hallelujah. Think about that. Like the sound of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, there'll be millions. And you'll hear them say, hallelujah, for the Lord our God reigns. Hallelujah. The day's coming. Hallelujah. For the Lord our God reigns. And on his robe and on his thigh is written, what? He's the king of all kings. You may be king of your life, but he's the king of all kings, right? And he's the Lord of all lords. He also says he is like a rock. What's a rock? Immovable, unshakable, and unchangeable. Immovable, unshakable and unchangeable he is the rock of our salvation is that a good thing he's also your fortress and he's your deliverer he's immovable he's unshakable 
and he's unchangeable. And therefore, he's the one in whom you can take refuge. So when we went to past Niagara into the Canadian side of the falls, Niagara on the lake, it's a unique microclimate. So they grow wine in that valley and mostly uh, ice wine, but they grow regular wine because of the microclimate uh, that is in there. And we toured the winery and it's just so fascinating because they brought over from Europe the very, yeah, the very vines. They bring the vines over and the great winemakers, historically, that's the more, more that's the inheritance. It's the vines that they brought over from Europe and they planted them here. And they just talked about how the care and all of that, and you see in there, right, the unique connection between the vine dresser and the vineyard and the vine and the fruit and all of that, right? Because without that, without the vine, there is no fruit. So he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. So he's light. Literally, he's he's life, right? The picture is life. The, the the branches have no life, right? He abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And I thought, Jesus, that is not correct. Apart from you, I do worse than nothing. I do bad things. Apart from you, it'd be okay if I just did nothing. <laughs> but I wreck things apart from you, right? Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. You're the branch, I'm the vine. We are connected in a unique, deeply dependent relationship. He is the vine, right? He's the life that flows into us. I love this. He said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. What does that mean? That I'm intimately involved in your way so he is like a rabbi and a teacher but unlike any other teacher because i'm going to counsel you with my eye upon you deeply connected he says you can go to the highest height or the deepest depths and you can't go where i'm not he said in fact here's what you need to know because life is filled with this even the darkness is not dark to me even the darkness. And when Jesus comes and he steps into the broken, sinful world, he's not afraid of sin. He's not afraid of your sin. He doesn't, he doesn't stand afar from your sin. He steps into it with you because he's the only deliverer. He's the only redeemer. Not only he's the only one who can help you break your sin. You cannot do it by yourself. He doesn't beckon you to clean it up and then come to him. He steps into your sin. He steps into your darkness and he delivers you, right? He is the teacher. He is the rabbi and he is life upon life. And then he says in here, no longer do I call you slaves for a slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. So he says, like a friend, of course, we think that means buddy, buddy. Like Jesus is like my buddy. Like, dude, no, that is not what he means. So you need to take the analogy and say, well, what does he mean by a friend? He says, for all things that I have heard from whom? 
my father, I have made known to you. So as a friend who reveals, right, things that are only revealed to him. In other words, this is intimacy. I'm revealing to you what the father has revealed to me. So he said, I'm not there to be your buddy. I'm your Lord and Savior. I'm your Lord, your master, your Savior. But I will have an intimate relationship with you where I will reveal things. That's why God says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. Right? As a friend, this idea of intimacy, not he's your buddy. And then he says that we that he might he might be that he might be the firstborn uh, among many brethren. So he's like a brother, but again, the same way. Like a brother in what way? Like a brother who has shared his inheritance. Like a brother who has shared his inheritance. Right? Firstborn among many brethren. How many brothers would share their inheritance? How many firstborn would share not only the inheritance, but the position and the rights of a firstborn. That's what it means. Like a brother and like a husband. Like a husband. Same way, picture of one who provides, cares for, nurtures, protects. For your husband is your maker. What's his name? Yahweh of hosts. Yahweh of hosts is like a husband. Some of you might be saying, I hope he's not like my husband, <laughs> like a husband and a bridegroom. So, gee, he's like a father, like a mother, like a shepherd, like a maker, like a king, like a rock, like a vine, like a teacher, like a friend, like a brother, like a husband. He's like those things. So what do we take from that? Our God condescends. He condescends to make himself known to us. He condescends to be like, right? Condescends. And I put in there to partially comprehend the incomprehensible, to partially know the unknowable, partially fathom the unfathomable. See, we've only, all he's done for us is crack the crack of the door of his glory. All you've seen is a little crack of his glory. It's like being on earth, right? On the surface of the sun, 10,000 degrees, at the center, millions of degrees. Right, we here on Earth have been shielded from the sun. We just get enough. We just a teeny bit of the light and the energy of the sun. Otherwise, it would consume us. The good news is, one day he's going to make you like his son, so that you he can open the door wide to his glory, and you can come near to the sun and not be consumed by the light or the power. That makes sense. Isn't that awesome. So we only partially, it's just, a, it's just a snippet of glory. He's given us this little sense of, of who he is, right? So we should stand in awe. So he humbles himself. How? To behold the things that are in the heaven and on the earth. He humbles himself. Second thing I put is our God is all in all. He's everything and everybody and all we need. He's everything and everybody, if you will, and all we need. He is all in all. Scripture says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. There's this unbreakable circle, right? 
and that God may be all in all. So here's my question for you today. Who do you need? You need a father? You need a mother? You need a shepherd? You need a maker? You need a king or a rock or a vine or a teacher? You need a friend or a, a husband? Who do you need today? Who do you need? Because he means to be all those things for us. Sometimes I need a father. Sometimes I need a mother. Sometimes I need a teacher. Sometimes I need a maker who reminds me, you didn't make yourself. You're not making your future. You didn't make your past. You're not in control. Or you're not in charge. Sometimes they need a king. Hey, it's time to understand that I'm sovereign. I reign. Sometimes I need a friend to share with me, instruct me and teach me in the way that I should go. Show me about who you are. Does that make sense? So circle the one that you need today. Circle the one that you need God to be for you today. Who do you need God to be for you today? He's everything and all that we need, all in him. So the third thing I put is that God is like all those things and more. But, so when I was young, we moved six times, but my uh, my grandmother lived in New York, and then we ended up living there for a while when I was a teenager. But when we were really young, we went there, and we went up in the Statue of Liberty. How many have been to the Statue of Liberty? So when I came back, uh, as I was leaving there, I bought a little Statue of Liberty, like that one. And I said to my friends, man, you should see this thing is unbelievable. It's like this. And they said, well, that doesn't look unbelievable to me. No, I mean, it's like this was really big. Well, that doesn't seem amazing. No, but I mean, you should see, you can go up in the top and you can look out, you can see forever. They said, well, that doesn't seem amazing. So when it says God is like, he's not like the Statue of Liberty. He's not like that, but that's what we do. He must be like that. No, he is like those things, but he is not those things. He is like those things but he is not those things. He is God. So I put in there, it is danger when we make God like, under that, underline that, like your earthly pictures, only bigger. Don't make God like your earthly pictures, only bigger. What do you mean, Scott? He's like a father. I have a father. If he's like that, only bigger, what kind of father is that? Right, because it's likely, right? Most didn't have great experiences with their dad. Even if you did, he's not like your father, only bigger. He's not like your mother, only bigger. See, it's a danger when we do that. God defines father, right? He is like a father in the way that he acts and operates. His character is like a father, but he's not like the picture that we have here on earth, only bigger. Everybody get that? It's the wrong starting place. It's when we project it up to God and we say, well, that's, gee, I wouldn't want God to be like my father, disciplinarian or distant or abusive or, you know, all of that stuff. Don't make God like your earthly pictures, only bigger. Does that make sense? Then he says in Isaiah, let's read that, before me, there was no God formed and there will be none after me. I, even I, am the Lord. And there is no Savior besides me. It is I who declared, saved, proclaimed, and there was no strange God among you. I am God. Even from eternity, I am He. 
and there is none who can deliver out of my hand. I act, and who can reverse it? And so when I get confused, just slide back and read Isaiah 40 to 45, somewhere in there. Just read it a couple of times. And all of a sudden, God reminds you, no, I am God, and there is no other. And he asks in Isaiah 40, he says, so to whom then will you liken me? In other words, what have you made me like in your thinking? To whom then will you liken me that I should be his equal? He says the Holy One, the only one, the set-apart one, the one who is unique and only, right? So he asks us, who or what have you made equal to me? Who or what have you made equal to God? It's easy today to look around the world and fret. Fret about evil, fret about, right? Everything seems to be coming unhinged, doesn't it? Well, he reminds us, no, our God reigns. And the unhinging of the world system is by design. It is indeed by design. I am the Lord. Voltaire said, God created man in his own image. Man has been trying to repay the favor ever since. Yeah, God is not in our image. He's not like what we see here. Let's read Isaiah 45. And there is no other God besides me. So, New Testament says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So we think, say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Lord. I'll say that. Jesus is my Lord. In the Old Testament, which is what he's quoting, he said, every knee will bow and every tongue will wear allegiance. It's a different, it's a different feeling, isn't it? It literally means to seven oneself. The Hebrew word means to seven oneself, which means to bind yourself by an oath of seven things. What does seven stand for? Total, complete, fully, right? It means swear full allegiance, complete allegiance, total allegiance. Oh, Lord, that's a different thing. Holy smokes. I mean, I know, like, stand and the pledge of allegiance. We didn't know what it meant. And, yeah, we don't say it anymore anyway. And should have a Christian ever said it. I don't know. But... I don't know what it means to swear allegiance, but he says, you seven yourself, right? In other words, I will bind myself to you. I will bind myself to you. And in, in the movie, we're thrown into prison wrongly, and he, uh, he gets out, you know, Jim Caviezel's in it. No, Jim Caviezel's the... Oh. Count of Monte Cristo? Yes, Count, Count of Monte Cristo. So in the Count of Monte Cristo, if you've seen if you've seen the movie, they're very different than the book. But he, when he gets out of prison, he ends up on an island with pirates, and they say, "You're going to fight, you're going to fight him, and whoever wins, right, lives." And he beats him, and he says, "Have mercy, right? You'll have another guy to serve on the ship." And he says to him, "I will serve you forever. You save my, you you pardon my life. I will serve you forever." And he does. He's he serves him for the rest of of the time. Uh, and that's the picture. I will seven myself to you. I will bind myself to you. I will swear allegiance because you are the one. So the insights are God condescends to make himself known to us. But it's not who he is. They're pictures to help us. That the God who is incomprehensible, who is undefinable, right? Who's ineffable and infinite and beyond comprehension 
has taken pictures to say, kind of like, why? What does it mean? He learned our language. You understand? It's as if he learned, he speaks our language. It wouldn't be the language he would normally speak in order to relate. It's, it's for us. He condescends to do that, right? So he is like those things, but he is not those things. So he constantly reminds us, right? To whom then will you make me like, right? Make me like. And to him we are to swear allegiance. So write down an insight today. That's a cool picture, isn't it? He is, our God is relational. Yeah, yeah I was almost going to, Cheryl, I was almost going to take those two out or separate them because that struck me as I went through that. These are all pictures of human relationships that we get. And of course, that's his nature. He's Father, Son, the Holy Spirit who existed in eternity in intimacy with one another. They are relational. Right? Pray for us if you would, Roger. <clears throat> oh, Father, we are reminded again today of the greatness of our God, the awesomeness of our God, a term that uh, is reserved for you and you only. So, Father, teach us, teach us, guide us, control us uh, in ways that we do not let our own ideas stand in the way of our connection to you. And as Cheryl has reminded us, the characteristics here are all about relationships and the way that you connect with us and the intimacy that you want with us. Hard for us to understand, but we, by faith, accept it. So be with us in our in our walk, Father. Uh, guide us and direct us. Give us the uh, wisdom to know when to accept, when to turn it off, and just rely on you and you alone. Thank you again for Scott and his preparation and this lesson with us now as we go on about our day and may we be a witness uh, to you throughout this coming week. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. May the God who is all in all, may he bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance and grant you his shalom deep in your soul. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always, and may he be your all in all this day, this week, forever, until he calls you home or comes again. Amen. Thanks for listening. I hope you have greater hope, assurance, and confidence in your life and a deeper trust in the God of the Bible and his son, Jesus Christ. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace, his shalom in your soul and in your life. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you.